Welcome to the Truth Hurts program. I'm your host, Steve Z. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize in advance if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Please enjoy the program. Welcome to the United States of America in 2021. When you were young, you were probably told to get an education, work hard, become dedicated to your craft, learn a trade or a profession, and you will succeed in the American dream. This has been the cornerstone of America for over two centuries. The notion that a person who works hard can reap the benefits of that hard work is the very foundation of our entire economic system. Well, that is until Gropey Joe took the big chair at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. In addition to not requiring anybody to be gainfully employed or have to pay income taxes in order to get an income tax refund, you know, the earned income tax credit, the Biden administration is continuing that practice, which rewards people for staying home, people who don't work, people who don't pay taxes, People who do not contribute to the nation's treasury, but are damned sure taking from it. In addition to this, along with all the other Democrat-promised freebies, handouts, and giveaways out there, the Biden administration today, Friday, the Biden administration has issued a new policy to wipe out one of the core health policies of the Donald Trump era. He's taking actions that will immediately rescind permission for the states to compel their residents to work in exchange for receiving free taxpayer-paid Medicaid benefits. Federal health officials will withdraw their predecessor's invitation to states to apply for the approval to impose work requirements, and they will be notifying 10 states that were granted permission that that is about to be retracted and you can no longer require your state residents to work in order to get free health care. This, according to a plan drafted by the Biden administration and obtained by the Washington Post. And it was confirmed by two individuals familiar with the decision who, of course, spoke on the condition of anonymity because they want to keep their cushy government jobs. The actions anticipated early Friday morning look like they will come to fruition, and they were outlined in bullet points in the draft, will come two weeks after Joe Biden signed the executive order instructing officials to remove barriers to Medicaid coverage. Work requirements that were enabled under President Donald Trump were one policy mentioned in Biden's directive. It's all about undo whatever Trump did. It's a game. It's a a pissing contest, so to speak. In practice, the moves have little immediate effect because work requirements adopted in three of the states, Arkansas, New Hampshire, and Kentucky, have been ruled illegal by two levels of federal courts, and other states have held back during the legal challenges to the policy. One case on such requirements is currently before the U.S. Supreme Court. Either way, the swift rescinding of Trump administration's efforts to remake a safety net program represents a sharp pendulum swing on the ideological divide over the role of government and individuals 
who are living under what they call economic hardship. Spokesman for the Department of Health and Human Services did not respond to our request for a comment on the plan, which was first reported by Politico Thursday. Back in 2018, the administrator for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Seema Verma, sent a letter to state Medicaid directors inviting them to apply for permission to create what she called community engagement requirements in which certain people on Medicaid would need to work or participate in activities to prepare themselves to get a job. That letter will be withdrawn Friday, according to the draft and the individuals involved. Ms. Verma and other proponents have contended that such requirements promote economic self-reliance and eventually wean poor people off of government assistance. (gasps) Oh my God, the Democrats can't have that now, can they? You can't wean people off of government assistance. If they learn that they can actually go out there and earn a living and make more money working than they do sitting at home watching Springer, they won't vote for us Democrats anymore. Undeterred by court rulings against those requirements, Ms. Verma advocated them until the Trump administration ended last month. She told the Aspen Institute back in October that she supports innovative efforts by governors that are trying to help people trying to lift them out of poverty and to find a path forward. Opponents of the policy, including almost all the Democrats, they say that this insurance of Medicaid offers poor people to be healthy, and being healthy is a prerequisite to being able to work. Unlike the federal welfare system, which has required work since the 1990s, these Democrats argue health coverage should be considered a right not a privilege that is contingent on following rules. In its planned announcement, the Biden administration said the requirements are unwise during the coronavirus pandemic, which sickened millions of Americans and forced many out of work. The agency overseeing Medicaid has serious concerns that now is not the appropriate time to test policies that risk a substantial loss of health care coverage or benefits. So there you have it, boys and girls. And as always, I say boys and girls because there are only two genders. Biden's administration is making sure that poor people who vote Democrat, who don't work, who don't pay taxes, who do not contribute to our society, can continue to take more and more and more money out of your paycheck and laugh at you as you go to work every day while they sit home sipping 40-ounce malt liquor and getting free this, that, and the other by simply snapping their fingers and axing Joe Biden for it. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. How do you repay the President of the United States for his loyalty and support of you, for him appointing you as an ambassador, for him bolstering your career and raising you from being a virtually unknown to being one of the most prominent figures in the Republican Party? Well, for former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley, it's turn around and stab Mr. Trump in the back. A woman for whom I thought might have a shot at being the president one day, a woman who for I thought I had some respect, has now flushed all of that down the toilet. 
Nikki Haley directly criticized her former boss, President Donald Trump, for his involvement that she claims he stoked the U.S. Capitol riot in a recent interview. A notable condemnation from someone who was widely viewed as harboring presidential hopes in a Republican party who is still vastly loyal to the former president. She told Politico magazine in an interview published today, We need to acknowledge he let us down. He went down a path he shouldn't have, and we shouldn't have followed him, and we shouldn't have listened to him, and we can't ever let that happen again. Haley often has attempted to walk the fine line between allying herself with Trump, who is extremely popular in the Republican Party, while also trying to keep enough distance between herself and Mr. Trump to appeal to his Republican and modern critics. She left his administration in 2018 on good terms with the president, a contrast to some others who have fallen out of favor with the orange man. In her Politico piece, she expressed anger over Trump's treatment of former Vice President Mike Pence on January 6th. She said she hasn't spoken with Mr. Trump since then, and I doubt she'll speak to him now after she turned coat and stabbed him in the back. She says Trump attacked Pence on Twitter on January 6th for doing his duty of presiding over Congress's counting of Electoral College votes. Haley told Politico, When I tell you I'm angry, it's an understatement. Mike Pence has been nothing but loyal to that man. He's been nothing but a good friend of that man. I'm so disappointed in the fact that despite the loyalty and friendship he had with Mike Pence, he would do that to him. Like, I'm disgusted by it. She did, however, say she believes impeachment is a waste of time. A majority of Senate Republicans have already signaled they will vote to acquit Trump. Removal from office would require 17 total Republicans to stab their former president in the back. Asked how Trump should then be held accountable, Haley replied, I think he's going to find himself further and further isolated. I think his business is suffering at this point. I think he's lost any sort of political viability he was going to have. I think he lost his social media, which meant the world to him. I mean, he's lost a lot of things that really could have kept him moving. Hey, Nikki Haley, he wouldn't have lost his social media if Democrat leftists, socialists, and turncoats like you had not forced Twitter and Facebook to drop him like a used condom. The Senate could vote on whether to bar Trump from serving in public office should an impeachment move forward. Haley predicted Trump won't run for federal office again and that he would not have a future in the Republican Party. She said, I don't think he's going to be in the picture. I don't think he can. He's fallen so far. She acknowledged that the love that Republicans have for Trump is still very strong and won't fall to the wayside, a contradiction of the statement she had made only seconds before. She continued, but I don't think the Republican Party is going to go back to the way it was before Donald Trump. I don't think it should. I think what we need to do is take the good that he built, leave the bad that he did, and get back to a place where we can be a good, valuable, effective party. Hey, Nikki Haley, without Donald Trump, probably a good one half of the Republican Party is going to scratch their heads and vote otherwise. She was asked if she thought that it was dangerous that Trump was spreading misinformation about the election. She replied, he believes it. And she compared it to, 
That would be like you saying the grass is blue and you genuinely believing it. Is it irresponsible that you're colorblind and you truly believe that? Hey, Nikki Haley, you ever been to Kentucky? The bluegrass state? Hmm? The Steve Z respect meter for Nikki Haley just dropped to zero. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Get ready for more peaceful protesting. That's right. When Democrats and liberals and leftists do it, it's called peaceful protesting. A grand jury has declined to indict two police officers charged in a 2020 shoving of an elderly Black Lives Matter protester in front of the Buffalo, New York City Hall. Robert McCabe and Aaron Turgalski, police officers who got into an altercation with a demonstrator, a rioter, a protester named Martin Gugino, age 75, was caught on tape. Footage shows the protester allegedly falling back and cracking his head on the ground. Some blood pooled under his head as he laid on the pavement. But the grand jury's decision will end the criminal prosecution of those two police officers. I'm a little surprised, Gugino told the cable news outlet Spectrum News on Thursday. I think there was pressure on Erie County District Attorney John Flynn to at least get an indictment, an expectation the justice system would do something to try and change the direction of the police department, change the reality of police in the street. And I think people are, I think it will happen, that people are disappointed that this misfired. In a press conference on Thursday, Flynn defended his decision to bring charges, saying there was probable cause. The video speaks for itself, he said. The DA denied hypothetical criticism that he sandbagged the case. Gugino's attorney, Kelly Zarcone, told Law & Crime last June that her client's brain was injured. Nobody wants to see Mr. Gugino get hurt, but this did not happen because the two cops sought out to hurt anyone. This according to McCabe's attorney, Thomas Burton, in an ABC News interview. The bottom line is, there was nothing malevolent here. Malevolence is not a legal element of assault, however. Torgaleski lawyer Joseph Latona told Law & Crime in a phone interview on Friday that the officer's actions are protected by the law. Certain conduct that would otherwise could or would be considered criminal are excused in certain situations, he said. In this case, the mayor called for a curfew, and under the law, police are allowed to use physical force to enforce a curfew. Gugino was trespassing at the time of the incident. That syncs up with Flynn's statement on the protester. District Attorney said in the press conference, Mr. Gugino committed a crime that day. He violated the curfew. He had no business approaching these police officers. Accordingly, Latona said that Torgalski's and McCabe's actions are protected under the law, that law being New York Penal Code 35.20. A person in possession or control of any premises, or a person licensed or privileged to be thereon or therein, may use physical force upon another person when he or she reasonably believes such to be necessary to prevent or terminate what he or she reasonably be believes to be the commission or attempted commission by such other person of a criminal trespass upon such premises. Such person may use any degree of physical force other than deadly physical force, which he or she reasonably believes to be necessary for such purpose, 
and may use deadly force in order to prevent or terminate the commission or attempted commission of arson as prescribed in subdivision one or in the course of a burglary or attempted burglary as prescribed in subdivision three. The way Latona summarizes the law, if an individual is committing a trespass or if the officer perceives a trespass, physical force is justified. He would be correct. It's not an argument, he said, it's the statute. It's the way the law is written. It's unclear from D.A. Flynn's statements whether the First Amendment rights of the protesters played into his decisions. Hey, when there's a curfew and your criminal ass decides to go out and violate the law and then you start approaching a police officer in a violent manner, guess what? Your ass will be put down. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. The tax and spend Democrats are at it again, or they're still at it because they've never stopped. President Sleepy, Creepy, Touchy, Feely, Mopey, Dopey, Little Girl, Gropey Joe Biden met with a so-called bipartisan group of governors and mayors at the White House on Friday as part of a push to give financial relief from the coronavirus pandemic to failed state and local governments who didn't have their stuff together. It's a clear source of division with Republican lawmakers who view such giveaway programs as wasteful. As part of his nearly $2 trillion coronavirus tax and spend package, Gropey Joe wants to send 350 to failing state and local governments. Republicans in Congress have largely objected to this process, and Biden's push does have a few, very few, GOP supporters as governors and mayors. Biden said at the start of the Oval Office meeting, you folks on the front line deal with crises every day one. many cases. You folks are on the front lines and dealing with this crisis since day one. They've been working on their own in many cases. Republican lawmakers stress that some past aid to state and local governments is still sitting in bank accounts and has not been spent yet. And that revenues have rebounded after slumping when the coronavirus first hit. State governments have shed 332,000 jobs, probably unnecessary jobs in the most cases, since the outbreak began. Local governments have cut nearly a million jobs across the country. Again, people sitting in cars while other people are working, watching people work, and people who were watching the people who were watching the people work. Yes, people like Asa Hutchinson, barely a governor of Arkansas, and Larry Hogan, barely a Republican from damn near Democrat Maryland, along with New York's old people killer Andrew Cuomo, mayors of Atlanta, Detroit, Miami, and Arlington, Texas, were also at the meeting. Yes, even New Orleans Mayor LaToilette Cantrell was set to attend, but she could not because a White House test showed she was positive for coronavirus. A second test later came back negative. Oh well. Anyway, the bottom line is $350 billion to be sent, according to Gropey Joe, to these states and gov uh, local governments that have failed miserably to mind their own finances. 
It's just another tax and spend gimme, gimme, gimme program. In fact, a video was played of California Governor Gavin Newsom recently talking about how higher than expected state revenues will allow the state of California to boost its cash reserves. Despite the surplus, California will still receive an additional $41.2 billion out of the $350 billion slush fund that Gropey Joe is proposing. Another big blue state bailout. But they don't care because you and I, the taxpayers of the nation, will be putting the bill for this thing, this joke, this giant slush fund. And bailing out Democrat failed states and local governments is not the only thing that Uncle Joe wants in his stimulus package. They're trying to pass an almost $2 trillion COVID relief package on top of the nearly $1 trillion that was passed late last year. Extra unemployment benefits are included in their proposals, although duration and amounts are still somewhat unclear. If passed, the package would likely increase weekly benefits by $400 a week, rewarding people to stay home, because not only will they get their unemployment benefits, but they'll get a $400 bonus as long as they stay on the unemployment rolls. House Speaker Nasty Nancy Pelosi expects Biden to sign some bill by the middle of March. And more unemployment benefits are likely on the way because the Democrats and the Biden administration are pursuing that nearly $2 trillion pandemic aid package. That legislation would increase the amount of jobless benefits workers receive each week and extend their longevity for several extra months. It's sort of like a bonus. If you get laid off, we'll pay you to stay home more than you were making when you were working. That makes a whole hell of a lot of sense if you're trying to make the economy come back. And to hell with unity and unification of the nation. Oh, no, no, no. Democrat Nasty Nancy Pelosi is expecting to pass the legislation using a sneaky budget measure that will not require any Republican backing. The precise amount again and the duration of the benefits still remain uncertain, but it does seem likely 400 bucks of bonus will be sitting right on top. The extra benefits offered by the $900 billion relief package signed by former President Trump back in December will end in mid-March for some workers and some in mid-April for others. Without the additional program, the government says 11 million jobless workers would have to lose their unemployment support. Oh, heaven forbid. Maybe, since Joe Biden the hero is in the White House, the jobs will magically come back like he promised, and they won't need unemployment benefits. You know it's a lie. I know it's a lie. The economy is not coming back anytime soon, especially with a tax and spend Democrat slashing manufacturing and sending companies overseas with little reward packages. In fact, the Ford Motor Company announced that it is moving Ford Ranger production to other countries and will cause thousands of jobs to be lost in the U.S. Multiple other companies have announced this week that they too will be moving their operations 
to Mexico. So much for making America great again. Joe Biden is making America float like a turd in the toilet bowl again. Joe Biden has proposed upping jobless aid by $400 a week, meaning about $739 a week for the average worker based on Labor Department data, and he wants to extend benefits all the way through September. But Gropey Joe, I thought you said as soon as you were elected, you had a plan and you were going to make the country come back and you were going to cure the coronavirus. Lying bastard. The $400 weekly subsidy will likely start after March 14th, according to the House proposal, and it would essentially pick up when the current $300 a week supplement ends, meaning no retroactive payments to earlier in the year. Republicans have been staunchly opposed to a $600 weekly enhancement of the benefits. The CARES Act, if you recall, gave people that $600 bonus for each week they stayed home and didn't bother to look for a job. Now, according to manipulated figures in the Biden administration, the economy has allegedly improved since the middle of summer, meaning enhanced benefits will create a larger disincentive for workers to go to work. Peter Ganong is an economist and an assistant professor at the University of Chicago, and he said, I think there's a good reason to think the disincentive effect will be larger this year than last year. But I absolutely think there should be another unemployment supplement in 2021. Benefits should phase out as more Americans get vaccinated. And Republicans don't need to vote in favor of this stimulus package for Democrats to find a way to pass it because they seem to feel they're going to be able to pass it with a budget maneuver called reconciliation, which will only require a simple majority vote to concede. And then to add more job-killing language to the $1.9 trillion package, Democrats intend to attach a $15 per hour federal minimum wage to the relief package. I happen to know several small business owners who have already laid out their plans for what will happen if they have to increase their employees' salaries from $8 an hour to $15. They will be cutting their staff exponentially. No owner of any business who relies on the profits from that business for he and his family to survive wishes to cut into his own paycheck in order to give other people a raise that they have not earned. Do you think that suddenly at $15 an hour they're going to get your Big Mac correct or your Whopper? Suddenly will those people behind the counter when they get a $15 an hour raise become more polite, more friendly, more customer service oriented? Or will they be shaking their heads and wagging their fingers and saying, uh-huh, I told you so. Now I'm making more money and I ain't going to do no more work for it. Either way, I've been scouring social media, looking for any signs that anyone actually approves of anything that the Gropey Joe administration has done from regular people on social media. I have yet to find any. Buyer's remorse, everyone? You betcha. Now, of course, the Biden administration and the Democrats are constantly putting out all kinds of false information, as they always do, and they're getting their willing partners in the media to stand up and say, yippee, yay, we're saved, Joe Biden is here. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
from killing jobs in the oil and gas industry to trying his damnedest to wreck our economy and send jobs overseas and raise energy costs. Joe Biden is a joke as a president. Hey, speaking of energy costs, gasoline prices today were higher than they were a year ago and are on target to be as much as $4 per gallon for regular unleaded by the end of 2021. And one final thing to say this evening, Joe Biden is now saying he wants every American to wear two masks every day, everywhere, until 2022. That's your plan, Joe? That's your plan for kicking Corona's butt? Gee, that plan sucks. Steve Z of the Truth Hurts Program. That's going to do it for this edition of the Truth Hurts Program for Friday night, February 12th, 2021. Hope you all have a great evening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Truth Hurts with Steve Z. We look forward to our next visit. Opinions expressed here are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music credits to Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was produced at Studio 63, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. We'll see you next time.